Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. My name is Shakira White and I am the host here. Now, if you are already a part of our Carefree family, that means that you have subscribed. You get notified every single time we post a new episode, which happens to be every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for being a part of our little Carefree family. Now, if you're not subscribed, don't worry. You can subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to us on, whether it be Apple, Anchor, Spotify, whatever. If you hit that little subscribe button, you'll get a notification every single time we post a new episode so you can check us out and listen. Now, thank you for tuning in to this episode. This is the very last episode in our Blacktober series. Every October, I like to do a series called Blacktober where we talk about Black issues. And we also learn a little too during this month. Now here on Carefree and Black Diaries, we talk about news, politics, music, entertainment, but most importantly, we talk about life lessons that I have learned along the way and that I wish to share with you. With that being said, let's hop into our Carefree Updates. So first and foremost, I want to give you all the lowdown about voting in Georgia. Usually I give you all information about voting in Florida because that's where I was located. But now since we are in Georgia, um, early voting is happening right now. It started on the 17th of October and it goes through November 4th. You can get more information on early voting in Georgia with the link in our podcast description. Um, So get out and vote early because who knows what's going to be happening during election. Election Day. Election Day in Georgia, November 8th. The polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So if you aren't able to vote early, make a plan to vote on Election Day, which is again November 8th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Get out there and vote. I am a strong believer in you can't complain if you aren't doing anything to make a change. Oh, I should put that on a shirt. You can't complain if you aren't doing anything to make a change. That's the truth, Ruth. That is the truth, Ruth. With that being said, you can also find access to where you can vote in your local elections. Um, Just Google it, how to vote in Florida, how to vote in Tennessee, how to vote in New York, how to vote in Texas, California, et cetera, et cetera. Wherever you are located, you can find that information quite easily on Google if you need to look those things up. Now, some good news. P-Valley, 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 my show, was renewed for another season on Stars. The news was released this week, um, and I knew it was happening. I knew it was going to be renewed, so I wasn't really worried, but I am happy to see the official um, you know, press release that it is coming back for a new season. I did a review on the previous season of P-Valley, so the most recent one. If you have not heard it, that episode is entitled... Um, the Sweet Life of P-Valley, because it was a review of P-Valley and also a review of the most recent season of The Sweet Life on HBO Max. So if you want to hear my review of those two shows, again, that episode is The Sweet Life of P-Valley. So congratulations to Katori and all of her cast and her crew on having another season of a show. Making a show is hard, y'all. Making a show is very, very hard. And I also wanted to, because I know that we get excited about TV shows and also streaming has kind of warped our perception of how much goes into making a show. So we get so much TV all the time and new shows all the time that we think that 
it's easy to make a show and it can happen very quickly, but that's just not the case. Um, you have to give your cast and your crew a break. You have to find crew members. You have to write new scripts. You have to figure out storylines for the new season. You have to go through the studio process. A lot goes into making a show. So um, let's give them some grace. Let's give Katori and her team some grace because I know it can be like, this is taking forever. When's the new season, y'all? It takes a whole lot to make a TV show. So give them some grace. Again, congratulations to that cast and crew, and I wish them nothing but the best. Now, I also want to give you all a heads up because every year I have a Christmas drive. I do a Christmas drive for the local homeless shelter where I live um, in Florida and also for the Hope community where I live in Florida. The Hope community consists of women and children who are currently unhoused. So that community gives them housing until they can get back on their feet. Now, every year for the homeless shelter and also Hope community, I donate toys, um, clothes, coloring books, everything, socks, hats, gloves, because it's cold, blankets, shoes, everything. So I am going to create an Amazon list and I'll also give you all some more information on that drive. If you wish to donate, I would greatly appreciate it. Like, Anything helps, anything helps, anything helps. So I just wanted to give you all a heads up if you wanted to help with that. I'll have more information on the page a little bit later. And also, you'll be hearing about it in all of the carefree updates going forward because Christmas is almost upon us. So just fair warning, you're going to be hearing me talk about the Christmas drive. And yeah, every carefree update from this week going forward is going to mention the Christmas drive. So I just wanted to give you all a warning about that. Now let's have a break for our sponsor and then we'll head into our last topic in our Blacktober series. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So memory is funny because sometimes you'll remember what feels like the most unimportant things and like random moments in your life. But the big things or the things you feel like, oh, I really need to remember this, like this is so important or this is so pivotal or I've been waiting all my life for this to happen. I really want to remember this. Those things can be the hardest to recall. But I feel like for me personally, I remember some of the most random and what feels like minuscule things to happen in my life. And one of those moments that I've always remembered um, happened in my school's cafeteria. I can't remember how old I was, but it had to be between the ages of five and 14 because, and also it had to be 
older than five, I had to have been able to read pretty well to know what this sign said and it just hit me. So maybe between, when when do children start reading really well? I don't know. But whenever I was able to read really well in between the age of 14, right? Because as many of you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, um, I went to a black school, an all black school from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. I went to the same school. Um, And in fact, the school had homecoming two weeks ago. And I posted a few things on my Instagram um, from me going back to the homecoming. So if you want to see just how black the school is, if you don't take my word for it and you want to see for yourself, by all means, go to my Instagram and you can check those posts out. Um, But when I was in ninth grade, the school moved to a new building that was more updated and high-tech than the old school that we had been in forever. But anyway, in the old school, there was this huge sign in our cafeteria that hung right above where we would dump our food trays. And one day, I was going to dump my tray. I had just finished eating, and I was going to go, you know, do my regular thing, like dump the tray, dump whatever was left in the trash, and throw the tray, not throw it, but place the tray um, on this little silver thing where the guy, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. I wonder how he's doing. But he used to handle the washing of the trays, right? Wow, I really wonder how he's doing. I hadn't thought about him until this very moment. So anyway, I'm going to dump the tray and I stopped and I looked up at the sign that was all, it had always been there. But for some reason that day, I just stopped and looked at it. And on that sign, it read, um, excellence with caring. That's what it said. It was the motto of the school, which was a reflection of the motto of FAMU, because the school that I went to was the kindergarten through 12th grade school of Florida A&M University. But for some reason, that moment has always stuck with me. Excellence with caring, reading that on that sign. And we had black teachers and at my school growing up, I saw people that looked like me every single day. And to be quite honest, I didn't have my first non-black teacher until high school algebra. I want to say ninth grade. Yeah, I won't say her name, but she was my first non-black teacher because I all of my teachers had been black until that moment. And in this very rare ecosystem, I grew up seeing Black people be so knowledgeable about different things that they would go on to compete in national competitions and state and local competitions. And I saw classmates be featured in the news and in newspapers. And I saw people understand really complicated systems and formulas that I couldn't even begin to understand. And I still won't try to. And I saw this for more than 13 years straight, 13 years, kindergarten through 12th grade. So this was normal for me. So when I got to college and I started hearing this phrase, black excellence, black excellence, black excellence, black excellence, I was a little taken aback by it. Um, I'm not going to lie, just a little bit taken aback. And I think it caught me off guard when graduations would come up. And all up and down my timeline on Instagram, I would see black excellence, you know, or when someone did something amazing that warranted a lot of applause and accolades, I see hashtag black excellence. 
inevitably somewhere in the comments. Like if you scroll long enough, you'll see someone comment black excellence on there. And it threw me for a loop because to me growing up, it was just something good or exceptional that someone who happened to be black accomplished, right? So I'm seeing these posts more and more through the years and especially around graduation time when HBCU graduates are posting their grad pics um, or a black person is in the Olympics and they're winning some medal or they're like blowing everybody out of the water um, or a young scholar somewhere has created this patented thing that helps humankind and the responses are like, yes, black excellence. And at first I didn't see a problem with it. I didn't see the problem with it. Um, and I was using it too. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll keep it real. I was using it too. But over the past, I'll say year and a half, um, I've thought about it more and more and I'm starting to see a problem. Not with the phrase per se, but with what it does to the black community at large. So when it comes to the use of black excellence, I have two main problems with it. Just two. Number one, I was talking to someone last week and (laughs) the conversation really bothered me for the rest of the day. Have you ever had one of those conversations with someone and you're like, don't let this get to you. Like in your head, you're thinking, don't let this get to you. But it's just throughout the day until you're laying in bed at night, you're still thinking about that conversation and replaying it in your head. That was me last week on this day. When a woman mentioned how George Floyd's family was suing that man who must not be named. I'm, I'm, I made a promise to myself that I'm not even talking about him on here. I won't even name him on here anymore on this podcast. Um, he who must not be named is being sued by George Floyd's family um, for the comments that he made on George's murder. And I was like, yeah, you know, so the lady brought up the conversation about the lawsuit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I hope that they win because what he said was horrible. And to my surprise, her response to me was like, well, he was an addict and he used counterfeit money. And when she said that, I was so taken aback, y'all. Like, I felt, have you ever seen That's So Raven? And when she does that, when she's about to have a vision and she has like the tunnel thing, like her eyes just like zone out and she has the tunnel thing. That's what I had in that moment. Like I had the That's So Raven like, what? What's happening right now? So I won't bore you with every detail of the conversation, but I asked her, you know, because someone has an addiction or use counterfeit money, does that make it okay for them to be murdered by police? Or does that mean that their life is somehow less valuable than someone who doesn't have an addiction or hasn't used counterfeit money? And she's like, well, no, but... And I went on to say, you know, he was someone's father. He was someone's son. He was someone's partner, friend. And that's a very small example of why I have a problem with the Black excellence usage because it warps our perception of who is worthy of what. Now, if somehow George was someone who graduated from Princeton or Columbia or how, not Howard, that's the HBCU, not Howard, uh, Harvard, Harvard, um, 
And he graduated in the top 5% of his class with a degree in biomedical sciences or a degree in law or, you know, something quote unquote smart. And he met the same fate that he met with Derek Chauvin. Would his life have been valuable then? Like, would we be more outraged? Would he who must not be named statements be taken a little more offensively by us, right? Would we feel more compassion for his daughter or his mother and his family if he had accomplished those things, if he was that person and not who we've known him to be, right? Like, Using a black person's accomplishments as a measure of worthiness is a problem, a big one. And for me, the concept of black excellence, whether unintentionally or intentionally, pushes this idea that in order for black people's lives to be worthy of love, to be worthy of compassion, to be worthy of empathy from other people and from our own people, to be worthy of promotion, in a job or a field, then they have to be excellent. They have to be exceptional. And I get it. Like, it's ingrained in us. We have been conditioned for generations, like generations going back, 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 to believe that being exceptional will warrant better treatment, better opportunities, better everything. And in a way, that's true, But does it make it right? No. Think back to Jim Crow when Black people moved north in the Great Migration for better jobs, better housing, but most importantly at that time to escape the Jim Crow South and segregation. That was great. But then what happened with that Great Migration? We had this split between Black folks in the South and those in the North where some, I'll say some, I'm going to put emphasis on the word some, because I know how you girls like to tussle. Um, Some Black folks, Northern Black Americans, began to view Southern Black Americans as less than. And some, again, emphasis, Northern Black Americans would view them as uneducated or less knowledgeable, or versed in experiences outside of the South. And that still happens today, whether we want to believe it or not. And y'all know I'm all for using personal um, examples and experiences to really drive home a point. So here's one. My grandmother's second husband, who is my grandfather, um, was a man who did not go to college. Smart man. Smart man didn't go to college. And my great-grandmother, who is my grandmother's mother, stay with me here, did not like the idea of them together. So my great-grandmother, she was educated. She had great financial means, meaning she had money, um, especially at that time. And she was a Northern woman, Northern woman. She lived in New York, New York or New Jersey. I think New York. You'll know why I don't know that for sure which one it was in a second. Um, But she could not fathom the idea of her daughter, my grandmother, marrying this Southern man who had never gone to college and who didn't have that much money. And by much money, I mean as much money as she had. 
and she had this status in her community. So, like, for her daughter to be marrying this man, this southern man, like, oh, my God, like, why would she do this? And so she felt that way so strongly that she bypassed a relationship with her own grandchildren because of it. Um, and also she bypassed and gave up the relationship with my grandmother, her own daughter, because she didn't like the idea of those two together. Imagine being so hung up on black excellence and status that you would deny future generations the chance of carrying on your memory. I don't even know what she looked like. I don't even know what my great grandmother looked like. I've never even seen a picture of this woman because she refused to have a relationship with the family because my grandfather was not the epitome of black excellence to her. So that's another example of what I mean when I say the idea of black excellence means that you have to be exceptional in order to be worthy of things. And in my great grandmother's eyes, my grandfather wasn't worthy of my grandmother's love and affection because he wasn't her definition of excellence. My second problem with the idea of black excellence definitely coincides with the first problem with it, but I think that subscribing to the idea of black excellence can deny, I'll say deny black people a life of ease and enjoyment. Now, lately we've seen, I think I've talked about this here too, about, um, yes, in the episode, You Are More Than an Aesthetic, we talked about a little bit about this, but lately we've seen this soft life trend on TikTok and on Twitter, on Instagram, and the soft girl era on social media. And we've even seen the mediocre black girl trend. And I think what's really behind both of these trends, soft girl and also mediocre black girl, if they're done right, and if they're done for the right reason, I think, um, is the desire to get off the hamster wheel and to stop chasing an unattainable prize. It's like the cheese, like you're running on a hamster wheel and there's this cheese in front of you. You cannot check, you cannot catch this cheese, but you just keep running and running and running trying to get it, but you can't chase, you can't catch it. Um, and that prize in this case, the cheese being acceptance from groups of people and institutions that have always seen us as less than or undeserving of entrance into their doors or seats at their tables. And once you realize that, hey, I don't need you to tell me yes, and I don't need you to give me access to your table because I can make my own table. Once you realize that, things change. And you stop thinking that you have to meet or exceed the standards of people who hold the key to your happiness when you have had the key in your hand this entire time. This year, earlier this year, I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine who is a white man. And I was having some problems with a few things that I won't go into the specifics of. Um, but we sat down one day and we like really like laid it all on the table. And he told me something that I hope I never forget. He said, he was like, you know, Shakira, as a black woman, 
you now hold on let me backtrack because you know as a I don't know about y'all but for me when people who aren't black start a sentence like that I'm like instantly like whoop like radar antenna up like hold up where's this conversation going but it didn't go it it wasn't bad so he was like you know as a black woman you have to view yourself as being capable always he was like you're kind you're curious about things you're educated um and you can't give anyone the opportunity to make you feel like you aren't good enough because you are good enough just because you're you And I wish that I could share that insight with all of you. Um, You just being the person that you are is good enough. You being the person that you are is reason enough for you to live a good life and a life that is of least resistance. Personally, I'm just not interested in fighting to go against the grain for the rest of my life. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Like... I don't want to have to constantly prove myself and say, hey, look at me, like I can do this and I can do this and I can juggle this, this and this and I have a certification in this and that. Just no, no, mm -mm. unless I'm doing things to fulfill my own desire or knowledge, like thirst for knowledge or to feed my own curiosity. Like right now I'm starting to put myself on this, this schedule where I'm back in school again. I'm not in school again, but in my head, I have to think about it like I'm back in school again. So at least an hour a day, I'm studying this thing that I'm very curious about. Not because I want to prove this like I'm good enough to others, but because I'm genuinely curious about it and I want to know more about it and I want to be good at it. So for an hour a day, I'm going to study that for myself. And again, I'm just not interested unless I'm doing things to fulfill my own desire or knowledge and feed my own curiosity I'm just not interested in doing it for others anymore so there you have it my issues with black excellence Um, again not with the phrase itself but my issues that I have with the byproduct of its usage and what it does to us as a community. And I hope y'all felt me on this one. I hope you understood where I was coming from. I hope it made sense. And that also wraps up our Blacktober series until next year, 2023. Wow, time is flying. I hope that you have enjoyed it, whether it be learning about, you know, what the other side of the tracks means and my family story, whether it was learning about environmental racism last week and what that does to Black communities or whether it was trying to understand what we mean when we say we have to get it out of the mud and what that does to future generations. I hope that you took something that will stick with you for a lifetime. Now, really quick, next week, there will not be a new episode. So you will not see a new podcast episode next week, which is, I think, November. I don't know. I think it's November. It's November something. You November 1st, you will not see a new podcast episode. To be completely honest, I will be recovering from FAMU's homecoming. Homecoming is this week as you are listening to this episode. It is FAMU's homecoming. So I am somewhere partying when you're listening to this episode. Hey, y'all. Hey, um, if you see me out at FAMU, that was not me. All right. And I'll be traveling and enjoying myself, honey, okay? Because everybody deserves a break. However, we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming on November 8th. 
Have a great week ahead. I'll talk to y'all on November 8th. In the meantime, stay black and carefree. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.